Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. How are you? I am currently in Santa Fe de Bogota in Colombia for a wedding. And it is Friday morning. It is Friday morning. It is a beautiful 55 degree day here, 8,800 feet into the air. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Colombia. And uh, looking forward to a wedding of a former student of mine. I believe it's yet yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> I'm lost at what, <laughs> what day it is today. So um, this is our President's Day episode. That's right. We will be. We'll actually be closed on Monday, so we are pre-recording this. So, so how are we doing this? We can talk about the the gospel in the future, or for our listeners, as if as if we've already heard it. <laughs> you should have discussed before we hit record. That's but, okay. That's, uh, yeah, we're talking they, they about inside Sunday's look gospel. Yeah, and we did talk before. We went except about air. everything except this. <laughs> So, no, we were talking about yesterday's gospel, which talks to us about loving our enemies, which is a fun gospel. So let's dive into it. Let's go into the deep here. Let's go. All right. So continuation of of the Sermon on the Plain, uh, very different. In Luke, we call it the Sermon on the Plain because Jesus is addressing his disciples instead of the crowds, as he does in Matthew, which is Sermon on the Mount. So this weekend's gospel talks about Jesus continuing what he what he did last week and now kind of taking from the Beatitudes according to Luke, but now honing it in to stuff that Matthew talks about. But because Luke is a gospel of mercy, you know, it hits a little bit closer to home and it hits us. But I want to want to read it to you because every, you know, it's a lot to unpack here. Jesus said to his disciples, to you who hear, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I want to stop there because right right there is a big challenge. You know, Jesus, you know, obviously we're supposed to love everybody. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as you love yourself. You know, but when he's talking about taking love to a different extreme, taking love to the level of loving your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's on a totally different level. So, you know, this is something that, that Luke puts in us, the church puts in front of us this weekend, and we're like, okay, how do we apply this? I always, you know, whenever I preach on this gospel, I like to say, you know, Jesus says this to us, and I ask the question, do you have enemies? You know, last week we talked a little bit about that in terms of enemies, when, especially with the last woe mm-hmm. of woe who those woe to those who uh, who are liked, you know, and and I and I mentioned that Winston Churchill quote said, you know, never trust a man who has no enemies, but Jesus had enemies, and while we think okay, we're a nice person, we're, we're Christian people, we don't have enemies. Look, look a little closer, and it's not people that you hate, but maybe people who are opposed to opposed to our Christian morals and 
while we may not want, and, 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 and this is even difficult for me, while we may not want to classify them as enemies, even when we, they disagree with us, even when they, you know, they may mock us or do all these things and because of our faith, as we heard in last week's gospel, Jesus still tells us, nice to them, not to tolerate them, but to love them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that that uh, you know Jesus is speaking to the to the apostles as a to the disciples as a group. So we, you know, we hear we hear the the gospel this weekend, you know, and he's saying you know, and he's he's saying you you you, and we like to interpret that personally. You know, and, and to your point, you know, sometimes we think, oh, but I don't have any personal enemies. But but in in this passage, you know, Jesus is speaking to them as a group. So so he is speaking to the early church. And he's speaking to the church as a whole, as mm -hmm. we as we look back, you know, two thousand years later, and say, you know, how do we interpret this for ourselves today? So yeah, we may not have those those personal enemies, you know, someone who's who's coming for us individually, but the church has very clear enemies, you know, and and people who wish harm upon us. Yeah, and, and, and not not just not just here. But around the world, especially. Exactly, and and I think the first reading this weekend gives us a, a very concrete example of teachings being put to practice in the Old Testament, because we have from the Book of Samuel. You know, this is after you know David and Goliath. You know that Saul is king, and you know, and and, and is you know on friendly terms with David, but David's fame grew. And Saul became embittered and enraged and, and very jealous and finally decides to kill him. And so in the 26th chapter of the first book of Samuel, you know, it says Saul went out to really picked up 3,000 men to search for David in the desert. He wanted to kill David. Mm -hmm. He saw him as a threat. And so David is hiding. Uh, he's, he goes and then all of a sudden Saul and all his soldiers are asleep. So David goes. He finds Saul lying asleep within the barricade with his spear thrust into the ground at his head, sleeping around him. And so one of David's companions says, wait, look, God has delivered them, enemy, into your grasp. Let us nail him to the ground with one thrust of his spear. No, do not harm him, for who can lay hands on the Lord's anointed and remain unpunished? See, even... Though they were at odds with each other, David recognized that Saul is. David recognized that he has been anointed by God. Samuel anointed, you know, the first king of Israel, Saul, and what basically what David does while everybody was asleep, he goes around, goes to the opposite slope, goes to a remote hilltop at a great distance. He shouts, "He goes, here's your king's spear. Let an attendant come over to get it. The Lord will reward each man for his justice and faithfulness today. Though the Lord delivered him into my grasp." Lord's anointed. And so there you see a great story of compassion that someone had for their enemy. And that's where basically see this gospel coming to life in the example of David and Saul, who were, you know, at odds with each other. One was trying to kill the other. And when David had the opportunity to strike him down, he did not do that. Now think of all the times that you've had, ah, uh, you know, arguments with friends, 
who have become not so much friends, but become kind of like enemies. That, and it happens, like you said, Jorge, like it happens because of what we believe. Because we stand diametrically opposed as a Christian people to everything that the world has to offer. It's like so many times, you know, I get caught up in conversations where where people are discussing things where our the church and they, you know, have no clue that there's a priest there talking to them. And so many times, and I will admit it, that I do not that I remain silent that I do not stick up and say, wait, that is wrong. This should not, this should not be, you know, be looked at this way. This is what the church teaches. And this is why she teaches it. So that happens to all of us. That happens to us in work. That happens to us in school. That happens to us sometimes even in our own families. And that's why when someone stands opposed to what we believe, we're supposed to stand up for it. Yeah. The, the example that, that came immediately to mind as you're, as you're talking about that was, and you've experienced this more often with the March for life. You know, I've, I've done it once, but you've done it. You, you used to go every year. Five, yeah. six times. Yeah. And, and I will never forget. And we kind of prepped our, our kids for it. You know, as we were approaching the, the pro, the, the, I guess pro the protesters of the protest, right? So the, the pro choice, um, pro the pro choice protesters, uh, lining the side kind of yelling at us and, and screaming at us and, and they weren't exactly uh, screaming niceties at us you know and and we told it wasn't it wasn't PG yeah <laughs> you know and what we told the kids was you know don't engage uh, you know don't don't fight back don't don't say anything nasty right back at them you know let's just pray for them you know because yeah. if, if they're there you know yes there's a time and a place for for engagement and for conversation, but but in the middle of that particular scenario, you know you're not going to change their mind you know, in in a five second walk by, you know. So so what can we do? We said okay, let's let's bring out our rosary and let's let's pray for them in particular. And, and I think that is a, a real life, current day example of something that we can do in response to this gospel. Exactly. And to continue on with the gospel later on, Jesus gives us the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, credit is that to you. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. Now, and and it goes on. Let me just finish this. If you lend money to those who whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same in amount in, in the same amount. Then Jesus wants us to go goes even goes even further. But rather, love your enemies, do good to them, and then lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. I want to pause right there before finishing the last section of the gospel there, which is pretty heavy because Jesus you know, kind of doubles down on the love your enemies says, you know what, even when you lend something to somebody, don't expect something in return. You know, even when you, when you, uh, when you love someone who loves you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. You know, it's very easy to love someone who loves you. Mm-hmm. What about someone who doesn't like you? What about someone who, you know, doesn't think that highly of you? 
we're still called to love them. Love everyone around you basically is what basically Jesus is saying. Your friends and your enemies. Because it's very easy to love friends. They love you. Yeah, they, they think you're great. But the people, and, and this is where revolutionary way of looking at the world that Jesus presents us with. When you look around the world and say, you know what? That person, I don't dis I, I disagree with everything that person says, mm -hmm. but I still love them. It goes back to an axiom that uh, a spiritual director of, of mine once told me very early on in seminary. My goodness, I've quoted him so much in this, in this <laughs> podcast. He's still alive, and I really we really should have him on the podcast, but he would probably wouldn't know what a podcast is. You know, he still uses a typewriter, God bless him. Oh, well. So, yeah, I know. But he once told us, uh, you're called to love everyone. Does it necessarily mean you have to like them? Now, well, you, you stole, you that, stole it before I could get it in there. Ah, <laughs> uh, you see? Because I was going there. Because, Father, it's not even just, Go for it. it's not just, uh, you know, big picture things. It's even in, you know, the nitty gritty day to day, you know, family and friends life. You know, we're going to get into arguments. We're going to get into disagreements. You know, I'm married. or I, I have my fair share of arguments and disagreements on, on a daily basis. We don't always like no. everybody, you know, even those who are closest to us. That That's just the <clears throat> nature of, you know, being, Sometimes even being human. You know, I don't always like, you know, my best friend, but I love them no matter what. That's the call. That's And that's the challenge. It is a challenge, and, you know, to put it in concrete terms, you know, people sometimes have a problem when we pray for public officials in the, the, in the prayer of the faithful in Mass, especially when those public officials, even though we never mention names, we say we pray for our president, we pray for our governor, we pray for our mayor, and, and, and all those who lead us and lead our government. Now, there are, you know, I just mentioned three public officials. Okay, and there may be people, there are people who don't like our president. There are people who don't like our governor. There are people who don't like our mayor. And, but yet, for divine wisdom, the church puts these prayers into the liturgy. And, okay, you may not like them. You may not like their politics. But you know what? They lead us. They have been elected to lead and are very powerful people. And so we are obliged as Christians who are called to love everyone to pray for them. And my goodness, I've had, you know, I had people come up to me, let's say uh, January 20th, when a, a president is sworn in every four years. You know, usually January 20th is, uh, you know, is, is I want to say it's a feast day and I'm blanking out on, on the feast day that it is. But I try to say you, either the morning after a president is elected, or, or the daily inauguration, I like to say the Mass. There's a Mass that says, for our president, or for our leader. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that Mass, because no matter if I voted him or didn't vote for him, if I agree with his politics, don't agree with his politics, we are bound to pray for that person. Because that person wields an enormous amount of power, has an incredible amount of responsibility, an incredible amount of stress on his shoulders, and is leading a country. Like right now, you know, we should, even though we may not, agree with him. We, don't, we may not agree with his stances on abortion and certain issues. We should be praying for our president, especially with all things that are going on in the Ukraine. Well, quite, fit, that's quite fitting that everyone is listening to this on, hopefully, President's Day. I am. There you go. Because this will be released I Monday. That, I, <laughs> that, that, that 
no one, I totally went over my head. And, you're and, right. and, you know, to you, exactly to your point, the 7.30 mass on Sunday had, the intention was not taken yet. And so we, we sent the bulletin to print and we had to put something. So, you know, being President's Day weekend, I took the liberty of setting that mass aside for the President of the United States. So we are, we just did on Sunday exactly what you were talking about. <gasps> How Scandal. dare I? How dare I? <laughs> I dare, no, I mean, it's like, but shouldn't we be praying for this man? Shouldn't we be praying for President Biden that, you know, here's the thing. And I'm, I'm going to head into, into uh, shark-filled waters right now. I'm in Colombia. I'm feeling frisky. Uh, this is not a referendum on whether or not, you know, the president should or should not receive communion. But the president goes to mass. I know people who are priests who have sat with, you know, priests of this archdiocese, who have sat with the president, uh, who have heard about him explain his faith. Now, I, the way that he approaches his faith, because I think faith should inform your morals and should inform your decision-making, that is just one poor priest's opinion. But if we believe in the power of the Eucharist, if we believe in the power of the Mass, if we believe that we are a body of Christ, if we believe that we are all going, like, for example, this weekend I went to, you know, I celebrated Mass here in Colombia a couple of times, and the Mass that I celebrated is the same Mass that you celebrated back home. Yep. And it's the same Mass that the Pope celebrated, and it's the same Mass that's celebrated in the most remotest mission territories of the world. And the Mass that you celebrated at Little Flower, or wherever it is that you're hearing this podcast, wherever the Mass that you heard in your parish, is the same Mass that was celebrated by the President of the United States. Number one, let's take that as a victory. That our Commander-in-Chief, that our leader on this President's Day, on this weekend, is going to Mass. Now, whether or not, now, there are many people, oh, he shouldn't be there because of his right, belief in abortion and all this stuff, and whatever issue you want to say. Okay, that, that's, that is a, a, an argument. I'm not going to say a valid argument. It is an argument. But if we started carting people at the door and saying, what are your beliefs, what are your sins, and, and, and the saying church would them, be empty. it would, starting with the priest. Okay? So I say, and I say, I've said this since the day he was elected, you know, yes, I was extremely worried about his stance on the unborn, on life. You know, I was, and still I'm extremely worried about that, terrified even, and about a bunch of other of his policies that affect the Catholic Church and our religious freedoms. Sure. But I, as, as forget about as a priest, as a Christian, listening to this gospel, you know, I'm bound to pray for him. You want to say something about this before I move on to the judging thing? No, I was going to say we haven't even gotten to the juicy part of the gospel yet. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm leaving it, because <laughs> what we're doing is what Jesus tells us not to do. When we say, like, for example, for all those who had a problem with the mass being celebrated for the president of the United States, here's what Jesus says. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop stop condemning. Condemn. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and give and gifts will be given to you. For the measure with, uh, skip a little bit. Yep. For the measure with which you measure will in turn be measured out to you. Oh, what, what we just talked about. You know, if we approach everything from the prism of love, then our lives become easier. We stop hating each other so much. We stop demonizing each other. 
you know, and now this podcast is going to go out and people are going to be saying, oh, Father Manny and Jorge did a, a, a podcast extolling the virtues of one Joseph Biden. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> no, we pointed out the things that we find that, that we, you know, two men, two Christian men, two Catholic men mm -hmm. find in contrast with the president. Sure. But what we're saying is we have to pray for this man. And every man and or woman, God willing, who has, oh, people are going to have a problem with what I, did, what I just said there, uh, for every man and woman who will hold that office in, in the future. There's a reason we celebrate this day. Well, obviously, it's, it's basically Washington's birthday, and it's, it's just lump all the presidents. Yep. And then it was Washington and Lincoln, and let's just lump all the presidents. And there are presidents who should be lauded and those who should be condemned. And history, and history does that. We're not here to do that. We're just here to say that these people have extraordinary responsibilities that affect our lives. And that's why we pray for them. That's how, you know, it's the same reason we pray for our Pope in every single Mass. Because we have no idea the amount of things that the Pope has coming across his death, death coming across his, you know, his, his heart and his mind on a given day. He has the keys to the kingdom of heaven in his hand. He walks in the shoes of the fishermen. He is the one that is a captain of the bark of St. Peter. And he is the one who leads the church. And that's why we pray for him. We pray for our archbishop every single mass as well. Because we don't understand the responsibilities that these men have. I've had glimpses of it, at least on the diocesan level. And I'd say, wow, you know, that's, that's a lot of responsibility. But that's why we cannot be quick to judge. We cannot be quick to condemn. Go ahead, Gloria. Yeah, yeah. And, and and even a step further, you know, we don't know what's happening in someone's heart, you know, because and and to go back to specifically politicians, you know, yeah, they they have to run on re-election campaigns and and they have to you know stand up for policies that they ran on and and we don't know what necessarily is going on with them personally, you know, are they as they engage in in policy making, as they engage in conversations, as you know, as they go to mass, you know, as the as they are prayed for, as they pray themselves, you know, is there a change going on? And they can't say that out loud. You know, we, we just don't know, and that's why. And and look at Paul as the the premier example. Yeah. You know who who was out there, literally uh, persecuting Christians. You know, it, it doesn't get it doesn't get much worse than than going out there and, and slaughtering Christians. And we don't. We and then he has this incredible experience and becomes you know, the most prolific Christian writer, uh, probably in in the history of Christianity. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and we and just the apostle of Gentiles. You you don't know what's going on in someone's heart, and and I think that's where this gospel kind of hits home. Is you know we we can judge, uh, we can judge actions. We can say you know I disagree with that, but we and and it's something we spoke about in a previous episode. You know, to judge a person, you know, to, to make a final verdict on a person, we can't do that. It was Mother Teresa who said, if you judge a person, you have no you have no chance to love them. Yep. Which goes against what this gospel tells us. And and we live in a world that is constantly judging. We live in a world that is predicated on judging. My goodness, we just had the Olympics that you know, and, and certain disciplines are judged, mm -hmm. uh, and those ju and that judgment comes into question. You know, we have all these reality shows on TV where you have judges you know giving critiques on you know we have a lot of simon cows out in the world 
you know, that, you know, like to critique and like to basically, you know, bring down and, and, you know, people who are, who are out there who may not, probably shouldn't be out there, but, you know, who, who think that they have a gift that they want to share with the world. And I know you don't have a gift, but that's just one person's opinion. So, you know, but it's the judging part and it's the condemning part. And if we approach the people that we don't like from the point of view of love and not from the point of view of that person's my enemy or that person I need to judge them or that person I need to condemn them, you know, leave that to the Lord who is the one just judge, mm -hmm. you know, the one merciful judge. Go back to that phrase just before stop judging. Jesus says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. I've preached about this in the March for Life several times, uh, that we need to stop demonizing mm -hmm. the other side. That we have to stop calling them heretics or stop calling, you know, whatever whatever moniker or insult you want to, degrading insults you want to, uh, you know, apply to them. We, and you can apply this to any facet of society because we are so polarized right now. We need to stop demonizing each other and get back to this gospel. Now, again, Jorge and I are thinking, okay, what's going to be the reaction of some people listening to this podcast? In fact, the people that are probably opposed to this podcast probably aren't going to listen to it. Yeah. But, but they're probably saying, oh, Father, all these things you said about the president, that's so naive. Well, well, yeah. But that's kind of where the Christian lives. Not, in a, not necessarily in a state of naivete, but in a state of optimism. In a state of, you know what, I'm going to approach everything through the prism of love. Yep. I'm going to love this person first. And, you know, even if we don't come to a meeting of the minds, if we don't come to an agreement, maybe we don't come to an agreement, but I will still love them because that's what Jesus tells us to do in this weekend's gospel. And, and this isn't to say this is easy. This is this is oh. very, very, very challenging, you know, especially when the, the person that you are you know, called to actively love, you know, stands for so much that you do not stand for. You know, that's, I mean, that that's where rubber hits the road. You know, that's where putting this gospel into action is going to take every fiber of our being and really why we have to go back to prayer ourselves. You know, to say, Lord, you know, change my heart. Give me, you know, break my heart of stone. Give me, give me a heart that is capable of loving to that extent because I can't do it on my own. It's, it's impossible. Right. You know what? I want to finish on something that's, that's affecting us locally, which is um, basically over the last couple of weeks, you know, and, and this goes back to December, we have had, uh, we have had, a, you know, like, like a little bit of a rift between our governor and our archbishop mm -hmm. over whether or not we should receive you know, immigrant children into our country that are unaccompanied, I should say, immigrant children into our country, which is something we've been doing, at least here in the Archdiocese of Miami, going back to 1960, when children were, you know, where parents were sending children out of Cuba in the Pedro Ban program unaccompanied. Uh, our accountant in the school was a, was a Pedro Ban child, and she was sent up to the north. Uh, and there are so many people that were sent. I'm thinking Bishop Estevez was sent to Indiana uh, to uh, to a family that he didn't know. And people took in, and the Catholic Church organized this network of families to 
taken. In fact, we have announced in our bulletin this weekend, you know, something that if you're interested in receiving refugee children, unaccompanied minors, that there is a program in place that, you know, we need that, that, that we can participate. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with the governor and the, and, and the archbishop is that the governor has asked to, to close all these centers that we've had since the 1960s. Boys Town, which is now the Monsignor Walsh Center, you know, on 137th Avenue near uh, near the parish of Our Lady of Lourdes, you know, that has been receiving unaccompanied minors for for decades. Now, because we, you know, you know, because everything is political, you know, the church is kind of caught in the crosshairs of this. So it's very interesting to see this play out. Because what we're what what's going on is a war of words that is judging and condemning and obviously not being very merciful. And what and to the people who say, well, this isn't like the Pedro Pan people. These, these children aren't like the Pedro Pan children of the 1980s. Well, yes, they are. Just because they're not fleeing a communist state, right. you know, doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, that we should these are innocent children that are being turned away. So, Jorge, I think that. You know, in Colombia, we probably ate in a lot of, of listeners <laughs> this morning. But you know what? That's what Jesus did. Jesus, so many times, and you look at the end of the gospel, the sixth chapter of the gospel of St. John, where he would say something that we hold as gospel, mm-hmm. and people would turn away. Yep. And he turns to the disciples, as he's turning to you this morning, and saying, do you too want to leave? And and we are like, we have to be like St. Peter, you know, you know, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word to eternal life. So if he's telling us to love our enemies, to be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful, to stop judging and to stop condemning and to forgive. Oh, we kind of left that. He didn't, didn't yes. really focus on that one. <laughs> that's, a whole that other, that's a whole that other half That one's even hour. harder. That's, that one's even harder, but we're coming up on Lent. And, and these are things that, you know, in a week and a half we start Lent. These are things that you really need to, uh, to focus on. As, as we get closer to the Lenten season and, and and invite you to focus on this. George, since I can't see you, any other things you want to add? Usually we just give each other nonverbal cues during the in the studio. Yeah, before we before we break to the to the second section, we have a, a pretty big event coming up on Wednesday with mm-hmm. our formation series where, where we've got Dr. Christie coming in. Uh, and you you know him personally. So can you? I do. Can you share a little bit? I know Absolutely. you wrote you wrote a little bit about it, but uh, but give us a little right. a little prep yeah, Dr. on Steve, that. Doctor Steve Christie is coming in on um, this coming Wednesday, February twenty third, I believe it is. Yes. Uh, yeah, twenty third uh, to uh, to our parish uh, to talk to us about this basically this argument, you know, and and he just released a book, you know, uh, you know, speaking for the unborn. You know, thirty-second, you know, pro-life rebuttals to pro-choice arguments, and this is not a judgmental thing. This is about you know how what we're, the reason why these formation you know uh, Wednesdays exist. It's learning how to be apologists, being learning how to defend our faith. So when somebody says, "Well, what about this?" We could say, "Well, the church teaches this, and I believe this." Mm-hmm. So this is very important, and kind of goes into what we talked about because. Like I said, the biggest, you know, one of the biggest issues we have with the president is his stance on abortion. You know, and now he and he could say, oh, I'm personally opposed to it, but I can't, you know, I, I can't impose that on the kind of that that doesn't hold water. You're personally opposed to it. It's like 
I'm personally opposed to murder, but you know, go out and murder whoever you want. No, it doesn't work that way. So uh, he will be giving us a talk. It's going to be about an hour in length. You know, he has this talk. He's given this talk before. I do not know if he, I have not talked to him about this yet, but I don't know if he has uh, copies of his book that he will have available there. If not, you can get it on Amazon. It's not that expensive. It's Speaking for the Unborn by Dr. Stephen Christie. And and to give you a little background, and, and I already mentioned this about how I know uh, Dr. Christie, uh, how I know Steve. Uh, he was a catechumen of mine back in 2003. Um, and so he he was uh, he married to a very uh, a very strong Catholic, uh, Gracie, who who's just uh, who speaks a lot about the unborn. Appears on EWTN, writes for he has been published in National Review, in you know even even in, in secular papers like Wall Street Journal, uh, Washington Post. She's been published and uh, and a very good writer on this. And her husband was was watching all this unfold, and he's kind of on the sidelines, not really having a faith. But he would accompany her and her his, and their children to mass. And one day he approached me like, you know, Father, you know, maybe I should take, you know, when I announced RCA, maybe I should take these RCA classes. But I'm not saying I'm going to be baptized at the end of, of the class. Yeah. I'm like, oh, just come in. And so one, you know, as we get on through the classes, you know, he'd be sitting there. You know, we would be around a conference room table. There was maybe like eight or nine people there that were taking the classes, and he was every time I would go into something deep like the, you know, like the Trinity or you know, the Eucharist and transubstantiation. And he looked at me with this quizzical look, like, yeah, I'm not buying it. So I'd have to go in a little deep, go, you know, maybe like, not, not, not going deeper, but maybe like pull it back and say, okay, let me explain to you a little bit more, in, in more simple terms. And I'd have that the, this theological jargon that goes over most people's heads. And now, and then February comes around, we're two months away from Easter. And he's sitting, I remember he's sitting in the plot, that beautiful plaza we once had at St. Agnes on Key Biscayne in front of the church. And he's sitting there and I go and I sit with him and he's there like very deep in thought. And he's like nodding his head and I'm like, what's going on? He goes, oh, Father, I think I want to be baptized. No, well, let's baptize you. And that's all we need. He's been going through the classes. Mm-hmm. We just needed his consent, his freedom. He was baptized. I'll never forget Gracie's, uh, his wife's huge smile while he was being baptized. And now this catechumen is writing books about pro-life issues, you know, defending life and unapologetically you know, respect, you know, you know, doing, making these arguments. So that's the, the you know, like the lead up and, and kind of like the, you know, the big billboard for this coming Wednesday, it'll be, it'll be held not in Cumber Hall, but it'll be held in the, in the cafeteria, in the cafeteria yep. of St. Teresa LR school. That'll be at seven o'clock this coming Wednesday, uh, February 23rd. So we invite all of you to come for, to come and to take part in that. And we have, and, and, and I invite all of you uh, to go deeper into this gospel uh, it may hit a few nerves. It may bring up some people in your head who eh, I don't like that person so much. But let's uh, let's do a better job of following this gospel and loving our enemies, not judging them, not condemning them, and most of all, forgiving those who have wronged us. My friends, that's not Father Manny talking. That's not Jorge talking. That's not Pope Francis talking. That is Jesus Christ talking in this weekend's gospel. Let's make it come to life in our own spiritual life. Amen. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! The you! Exactly. 
It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. That guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? No, Father, uh... It's Friday. We haven't really hit... We haven't hit... We haven't not... We haven't hit the weekend yet. So we... What do you want to do with sports here? There's really nothing There's, there's nothing about. going on. I mean, there's something major I mean, going on across the other end of the world, but... Yeah, I mean, but the Winter Olympics are kind of ending on a thud. You know, like, no one has really paid attention to them. We talked about it last week. You know, the figure skating was a fiasco. Mm-hmm. The, you know, I, wa- I watched some of that before I left, uh, the night before I left, and it was like, yeesh. And, and so, and we I just And we keep and missing maybe, the podium, so there's not even that going for us. No, I mean, uh, well, at least in figure skating. I, I don't know where we are. You know, when people hear this on Monday morning, I don't know where we'll be on the medal count. We never... We we rarely you know get the top of the of the medal board in the Winter Olympics or other countries that dedicate more time to these to these disciplines. But it's like eh, you know, and people have been. I mean, the, the ratings have been like abysmal yep. for this. They had a bit a little spike after the Super Bowl, but it wasn't that great. I you know I really dug the mono bomb. That is that something you would do the mono bomb? I I don't know. There's 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 something about uh, you know flying down an ice track at eighty miles an hour that is not very enticing. But you said but, you would. You told end me of the you'd day, do with other people with a two man. Yeah, I, I think the only way I'd do it is uh, if I'm if I'm in the, the middle man? seat of the four man, where all I have to do is <laughs> run and jump in and put my head down and and pray we don't flip over. <laughs> but no, at the end yeah, of the day, no, I, I I probably would. I say I wouldn't, but uh, but I said you I wouldn't jump out of a plane, no, and I did that. So you were talking about golf, and and yesterday, you know, I'm talking about yesterday. This is Friday. This is so Thursday. I arrived. And you know, really had you know no plans for for the first day that I was here in Colombia, and and the groom that that I'm that I married this weekend, you know, he invites us to play golf, and I go great, and I forget that we are eighty eight hundred feet up in the air, above sea level, and we were playing this beautiful. I sent you pictures. You saw the pictures of the golf. Course. I can't believe you didn't Just, take. I, well, I'm sorry. Next time. Okay. <laughs> but we go to this beautiful golf course with, you know, we're, we're all used to like, you know, flat golf courses and stuff. But here's where I kind of finally felt a little kinship with you as you as a marathoner is that we had to walk all 18 holes. And it was, I, I believe I walked, <clears throat> I'm going to say nine, it was nine miles or I think Ooh. during, the, it was, it was seven. No, but that's nothing but. On like four hours you know, of sleep, by was, the way. On four hours of sleep, because I got in very late the previous night, and on four hours of sleep and, you know, not flat terrain, and having to go up some very steep inclines to get to a tee box. So it was like, wow, that, this is, this, and then I realized how, you know, how taxing this is on professional golfers who don't, you know, don't have the benefit of golf carts. Not only have to be at their A game, but they have to walk, you know, around, let's say, you know, five, six miles of golf terrain going up and down mm-hmm. hills or and slopes and stuff like that. It was absolutely beautiful. I spent six hours out there. You know, I'm, I'm recording this the morning after and I'm a little sore, you know, because I had no training. I mean, we, you and I walked nine holes, but to what, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago for yep. now. Yep. And, and carrying and carrying our clubs. And this was just, you know, just incredible. But, but that, the ball, the ball had to be flying. At that altitude, uh, I mean, yes. Sometimes on the driver, yes, it was flying, and but you know, I was 
other clubs were not working for him. They were, I mean, they were, they were not. The pitching wedge was, but everything else was not. So there's, there's the golf talk. The, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, out that over the president's. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here that when people hear this on President's Day, baseball will still be locked out. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty heartbreaking, man. That. Heartbreaking. Start, spring frame was supposed to start. I know. You know three days, four days ago. Don't remind and me. So, yeah, I mean, nothing's going on there. But So all the rage, all the rage. Baseball. Here we go. Rage right now is something that Jorge and I do every. Well, we I don't know what time we do it in the morning, but we compare notes. And as as you record this, Jorge, right before we went on the air, or we started recording, did Wordle, and we started doing this what a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, something like that. Yep. And you haven't and you haven't lost. No, I have not. Uh, I've I've gone to the sixth word, but I haven't. I have not gone a day without getting the word. Okay, so my second day. But my stats disappear. I, I don't know what's up with my phone. My stats dis- they don't carry I, over I, day to day. I have stats. I have and it's stats. really annoying me. Right now, right now, <laughs> I mean, look at this because I'm still work. Uh, this is we're being we're recording on Friday. My stats are right now. I have a six, a fourteen, a fourteen game winning streak. I have to say, the second day I played, I did not understand the rules yet, and I was using letters <laughs> that had that were already blacked out because. And I missed it. And it was a totally easy word. And this is before the New York Times pulled it over. As we speak right now, as we record this right now, I am having a devil of a time with Friday's Wordle. I am on the fourth attempt and have two guesses left. And I only have two letters. Or he finished it, to his credit. He finished it quite fast in right fi- before we recorded. In five tries. It took me five tries this time. Five tries. And was it a hard word? Um, it's, uh, you're, you haven't finished yet, so I don't want to say much. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. But, but, you know, but, it, but, you, but know you already know it's tricky. With, you know, I already know it's tricky. I'm, I've, I've like thrown tiles against the board and see what sticks. And it has you know, gotten harder, by the way. I don't know what, it I has gotten harder. since New York Times New York picked Times, it up, it's gotten harder. Yep. It's gotten harder. But Sister Sean Pauline, our, our language arts teacher for our middle schoolers, actually for our eighth graders. Uh, says this is a wonderful tool for our children to, you know, for critical thinking, for vocabulary. Oh, and please, please tell me it, she has the kids playing in class. I, I don't know if she has them playing in class, but I know the kids are aware of it. So these are things. Now, Jorge and I have discovered over the last week or so other, like, Durls, Durls. Of Wordle. <laughs> you know, so what's that one? I know that one I don't know about. There's, that, that's new. There's Prayerdle was the fun one that I found. Oh, no, Prayer. Okay, Prayerdle. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's the same as Wordle, but it has to do with things that are religious. Like yesterday was just Peter, and I didn't know that proper, you know, that, oh, that wow. uh, proper names was, 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 were in play, but I guess so. Um, your favorite, your favorite uh, one. My favorite, because I'm a geography, geography butts, is Worldle. Worldle. I can't pronounce it. It's Wordle, but add a, add a, add an L. Add a, world dull, world dull. There you go. Can't pronounce it for some reason. And it's geography. What it does is it gives you the outline of a map of a country, and you have to guess what country it is, and then it'll tell you, okay, you're five thousand kilometers southeast direction. It's is is the country you know. And I've been very good. Like today was today's was Syria. I'm t- I'm not spoiling anything because you're hearing this on Monday. And Jorge's like, yeah, I never would have gotten. No, that's but been, I knew that's been an epic I knew fail. that the country, I knew that the country was in my vicinity here in South America. 
you know, so, but, uh, but I've been pretty good on guessing those on the first try. The other, the, the, the biggest thing that I've learned from Worldle is that the Czech Republic is actually called Czechia. That's I got right. It that was, that was a try, tricky one. But I kept, I, but I kept trying to input Czech Republic and it wouldn't give it to me. So I go, well, it's not the Czech Republic. It's another country. And I, then I researched, I go, wait, Czech Republic, it's called Czech. You know, Czechia kept coming up, but I go, I've never heard of that. So it's why the Olympics parade of nations is always a great lesson yeah. in geography because geography changes so much. But yeah, there's your sports commentary for this holiday. It's about a viral word game. Well, there's that I, is... my brother found one. I think it was my brother or my sister. I don't know. Someone shared on the family chat. It's a uh, nerdle, and it's actually a math equation. And I no, no, I'm not I, doing I that. want no. nothing to do with that. <laughs> I want nothing to do with math. No, you can have it. No, no, no. Uh, he finished the uh, the All Star break in first place in the East. The yep. All Star break. When you hear this, I would have been played yesterday, and Eric Spolster was a coach of the team. And looking forward to it. You know, they need to figure some things out, you know, get things going. The Panthers, you know, continue to win. They won in overtime the night that I arrived. Actually, I was watching that game on the plane before we took off, uh, and then I lost signal. But uh, but they were playing very well, a nationally televised game against Carolina, which is our nemesis. We won that in overtime. Actually, uh, we won that. I'm talking, well, this is Monday. I'm talking about a game that happened last Wednesday. We won that game like 15 seconds into the overtime. Yep. It was just amazing. And uh, but they're playing well, and uh, NFL is done. You know, football is done. We're in the off season, and, and we should you know, be talking we, about we miss, baseball. We should be talking about <laughs> baseball. But these guys, listen. If you're listening to this, gonna, you know, he's gonna record this, lock it up, and publish it without editing. On you know, he's gonna it now when we when we're done. But he's gonna put this up on Monday, regardless. It would be a miracle if you're listening to this right now. And they've settled the labor dispute. I have never hoped to be so wrong in my life. We want to be wrong. We want to, we want to wake up Monday morning with egg on our face saying we were wrong. But it's right now it's Friday, February 18th when we're recording this. And I don't see you know anything happening on that front. Friends, pray for each other. Uh, pray for the success of our formation Wednesday. We're having this coming Wednesday with Dr. Steve Christie. Uh, so many things coming up. We have a man's retreats coming up. I wrote about that. And actually I wrote about them in the bulletin this weekend. Right. You know, it's a great gift to give yourself for Lent. Lent is a week and a half away. And we're going to, we'll talk more about that in next Monday's uh, podcast. So uh, have a great weekend. And from Columbia, I bless all of you in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen.